When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. tuned in to the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined as always by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. And Paul, uh, game one of the World Series took place Tuesday night. The uh, Nationals pulled, uh, you know what, I guess everybody would consider an upset, beating Garrett Cole and the the Astros 5-4, to four, the, the big game by Juan Soto, 20 years old. It's a home run and a, and a two-run double uh, in the first game of the World Series. Uh, such a young guy competing at such a high level. Uh, it really sort of uh, brings back memories of uh, the 2016 playoffs. Yeah, definitely. You know, it looked like uh, you know, kind of a Francisco Lindor moment. But, uh, you know, the, the Soto's had a just – he's had a great year. He's coming into this, you know, postseason. I think he hit like – 282, 34 home runs, 110 RBIs during the regular season at 20 years old. And he was what he was in the big leagues last year at 19. Mm-hmm. So uh, this, this is a, this hey, is a pretty good player right here. Yeah. If, if they win the world series, he can't even celebrate with the uh, champagne. Uh, now, wait a minute. Right, he can't even go into a, a bar and buy a beer. I, I think, uh, I think he turns 21, like in the next couple of days. So, that would be a, a, a real good time for them to, to have a, a champagne celebration would be after his 21st birthday. But uh, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. They've still got to get through Justin Verlander and uh, the Astros uh, three more times to, to do that. Uh, what do you see, you know, the, the rest of the series? How do you see the rest of the series going? If, if Washington can stand up there and say, okay, there's your, your best pitcher, your number one guy who hadn't lost in 19 straight decisions, and and they took him apart. Yeah, I mean, uh, this Cole hadn't lost since May twenty second. Uh, he was like nineteen and zero in his last twenty five starts. I mean, this guy, uh, and he was still. I mean, he's still, he's still the guy still pitched. Uh, you know, he still went seven innings. You know, eight hits, six strikeouts. But they got him that one inning, and uh, you know, I mean, I <laughs> nobody's a robot, and but you know, I think Washington. You know, the four, the six-day layoff didn't hurt them. They they looked sharp. Uh, Scherzer was a little sh- a little shaky, I thought. He was kind of had some trouble. You know, he was all over the place. He threw a lot of pitches early. Uh, but then you, they used Corbin, so that was interesting. You know, they did the same thing in in the NLCS. Yeah, so, I was going to ask you, what do you think of the the decision to use Corbin? Is it is it more 
you know, hey, like a like a sort of a Terry Francona driven decision. Let's get this game and win this game that that we can win by putting in the guys, uh, you, you know, to to get get us through these high leverage outs, or you know, is it a mistake taking one of your potential starters, your your potential game three starter? Uh, but I guess they're they're going to go to Sanchez then in, the, in in game three. Yeah, you, I think they'll go with Sanchez in game three and then bring Corbin back for game four. <clears throat> I guess you could right. Yeah, I would I would think that's yeah. Yeah, and, he only uh, pitched, he only pitched one inning too. So it's yeah, he only pitched one inning, but still, you know, it's yeah. You, know, you you look at you know in the postseason, their postseason, they've had six guys, six pitchers throw like you know, two-thirds of their innings, 60 of their 90 innings. I mean, and, you know, I mean, I guess you can do that. You know, people have said you can do that. Let, you know, let's let's be honest, Paul, the, the other six guys in, in their bullpen, not that good. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I guess you can do that. But now, you know, you're going seven games now. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, if that stretches over seven. You go in the in – the, you know – Wild cards, so the you know the the best of five, then the NLCS. You know, you wonder if that catches up to them. But uh, you know, they got the game one, and you know they can they split. You know, in, in Houston, and really a tough place to play, the tough place to win. And uh, now you know, so they can go home with at least a split. You know, I thought I had you. I thought, uh, yeah, I I I said Astros in six. You said Nationals in seven. I thought I had you. <laughs> now it's now it's looking looking like it's going to be tough. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. It, you know, I I just thought, Joe, you could you could feel something in that last series of the regular season when the Indians were in there to play Washington at Nationals Park, and they really had nothing. I mean, they were playing; they really had nothing to play for. I don't think they'd already clinched, and but that team was still they were hitting on all cylinders, and I, they just continued in, into it. Uh, I, think, I think the series will be over, and, and you experienced this. I think the series will be over the first time they show up for a game at Nationals Park in the World Series, and Baby Shark comes on, and <laughs> the whole stadium just goes bonkers. Uh, I, you saw what that was like firsthand. What's the experience? I had, I had Joe, I, I, like, this is I'm culture shocked. shock I'm shocked. You, I'm shocked you had no idea what <laughs> I have no doing. idea what Baby Shark was. I, I was, I was asking Zach and uh, Mandy and <laughs> so what is this? You know, is this the tomahawk chop? What? I had no idea. Yes. It is, it is the tomahawk chop that is only offensive to uh, marine life. Yeah, uh, I, would, I would guess, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a sight to behold with the entire park doing it at the same time. I, it's that's going to be one really weird moment in Game Three. I can tell you that. All right, uh, let's move on from the uh, the playoffs that the Indians are not a part of, and, and talk a little bit of Indians news from this past week. Uh, probably the biggest news uh, that that came out at the end of last week was uh, Roberto Perez underwent an ankle procedure uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, we, had, we had sort of gotten an indication from Terry Francona uh, earlier at, uh, in our, our meeting to, to you know, wrap up the season that, that this was a possibility. Uh, obviously, uh, Perez is, is a big key for the Indians next, next season, uh, and, and he's expected to be ready for baseball activity by the time spring training starts. Yeah, I, I think he basically played on that ankle the whole second half, Joe. It, it was hurt. He, 
if you remember, right before the All-Star break in Cincinnati, he got – there was a play at the plate where one of the Reds slid into him. He went up high for a, a throw to the plate, and kind of the a Reds player slid into him and, you know, knocked him over. And I think that was the play where he really kind of hurt his, hurt his ankle, and he was kind of limping the rest of the way. Uh, and I'd heard he had he was gonna, he was going to need surgery, and uh, I talked to him. And he said this was late in the year. He said no, uh, you know I'm not going to need surgery. And then he gets surgery. So <laughs> you know I I figured that something was up, but uh, you know I think he should be okay. I mean I I, I would I don't think it's you know uh, you know something that that's going to hold them back or going they're going to have to slow play them uh, you know once the pitchers and catchers report to camp but what we have to see you know you 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 know it obviously affected his offense i don't think it's going to affect his defense but you know in the second half his his numbers dropped off his the power was still there but his average dropped right and it's a credit to uh, roberto that his defense didn't drop that he still managed to you know, throw out more than 40% of his base stealers and, uh, you know, led the, led all of baseball and defensive runs saved uh, while working a, a pitching staff that, that featured, you know, two rookies and, you know, lost two, th- uh, you know, three fifths of its, its starting core. I, I, you know, you got to look at what he did last season overall and, and say that was a big plus for the Indians and how much of a key he's going to be for them coming back next season uh, to, to have him back at full strength will be, will be a definite plus. Yeah, that's uh, important. Definitely. Uh, the other minor uh, injury note uh, to mention uh, Arizona fall league participant, Nolan Jones uh, last week. Uh, he was, he was removed from the Mesa solar socks roster. Uh, Jones, I guess, re-aggravated a, a hand injury that he suffered. We, it was wasn't really uh, specific as to what what hand injury was or what it meant. Uh, he suffered it while he was with Akron uh, during the second half of, of the regular season, uh, but it wasn't bad enough for him to to miss any games with with the Rubber Ducks, and he didn't miss you know played in 15 games in the fall league before aggravating the injury again. Uh, he didn't participate in the fall All Stars game. And after that, he was just pretty much shut down for precautionary reasons, according to the club. Uh, Nolan Jones, uh, do we expect much out of him? Uh, I, I would expect him to get an invite to big league camp this year, at the very least. Yeah, may, you know, I don't. He's not on the forty man, right? So, but right. I mean, maybe he's a guy they bring over, like they did with you know Zimmer and Frazier, and uh, you know different guys along the way. You know, with Yu Chang that they. You know, they bring over and have them play, you know, the, the late innings of some spring training games, that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know if he'll get, you know, you know, a, an official, you know, he'll be a non-roster invite to spring training. And uh, I heard that the injury was to his left thumb, Joe. Okay. So it wasn't a handmade bone. So, it, you know, that, you know, so you won't need. Yeah, you know, we had enough of those this year, didn't we? Yeah. Need, so it yeah. doesn't, hopefully it doesn't, he doesn't need surgery. So, uh, you know, but it doesn't sound like you'll need surgery, I should say. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I, you know, for, for folks who are, you know, saying, oh, we're just going to plug Nolan Jones right into to third base and move Jose Ramirez over to replace Jason Kipnis. Uh, you know, timetables are don't, don't work that way with these kids. He was, he was drafted in, in 2016. Now, obviously that 2016 draft was, you know, 
pretty solid full of uh, guys who have already contributed at the major league level with uh, Shane Bieber and uh, Aaron Savali, Zach Plesak. But, uh, you know, Jones was the, the second round selection uh, by the Indians in 2016. And he's, he's hit so far really well at, uh, at Lynchburg and high a, and, and he made the, the transition over to, to double a last year. I, I, th- I think I see him starting the season maybe at, at Akron again. And at some point, probably hopefully for him moving to, to Columbus, you know, if things go really well, maybe a September call up next year, but uh, I, I would expect him to spend the entire season next year in the minors. Yeah, I think uh, if you look at Lindor, you know, I guess that was, that's kind of the uh, template, you know, that he was like four. It took him four and a half years to get to the big leagues. Uh, Jones is what he's had four years. Four, this this was his fourth year in the, in the minors. Um, you know, and he has yet to play AAA. Yeah. So I would think you'd have to, you know, like you said, you'd have to play him and you'd have to start him at double at double A this year, move him up and, and see how he does. But, you know, if he makes it in September, fine. But I don't, this isn't a kid that's going to be your opening date third baseman nope. unless, you know, there's, you know, there's like, like you, you have like three, three other injuries. Unless, Unless Yu Chang uh, has uh, difficulty coming over with his, his passport or something. I, I don't know. I, I can't see, uh, see that happening. Uh, yeah, and, and the Indians have a, a history of, you know, being patient and, and slow playing some of these guys, uh, especially. Terry Francona just doesn't like to, to open the season with a lot of rookies like that in, in those kind of positions. Uh, preferring to leave them down in the in the minors for the first couple of months so that they're not sitting on the bench freezing uh, in Cleveland. Yeah, we saw that we saw that this year when you know Leonis Martin is the opening day center fielder and Carlos uh, uh, Gonzalez is you know it's kind of waiting in the wings to play the outfield. They had you know they they fill in with veterans and then you know when I think uh, you know if if, if they if there are prospects available if they do if they're playing well they bring them up when they're hot and kind of you know work them into the lineup that way all right paul let's uh let's jump into some questions from our listeners and uh readers on cleveland.com i know you got a couple there uh that that were sent into you okay this is from uh from south bend indiana jim wensitz when indians executives consider consider francisco lindor's worth do they weigh his ability to put fannies into the seats? Seems like they should. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I got to believe that they do, uh, but I don't know what that equates to in terms of compensation. I, I, there's got to be a formula or a figure that you know that they use, but uh, I, I would think that the the agent would be one uh, you know pushing that angle more than the um, than the the ball club. I, I think they would you know try to minimize that. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, you know, I think, uh, I mean, if you look at the Indians attendance in general, you know, they've drawn, they've drawn 2 million once in about the last six, eight, 10 years. And Lindor's been playing. This is his, uh, this will be his, uh, you know, fifth season coming up in the big leagues. Um, I, I mean, Lindor's a great player and he's, he's fun to watch, but 
if he, if you're talking about him him being like a Reggie Jackson or a Babe Ruth putting people in the seats, it hasn't worked so far. I mean, if you're you know, I I don't know if a one player can do that anymore, you know, based on the uh, revenue streams that teams have. But you know, I I think you know the Indians are are they going to draw if Lindor isn't here? Are the Indians going to draw? you know, 1.8 million or 1.6 million. I mean, is it going to make that much difference? I, I, I don't well, think. It, it, the only proven thing that puts people in the seats is winning. So uh, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, and even that hasn't worked in Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, the only, Joe, the only thing proven thing that puts people in seats in, in Cleveland is dollar dog nights and fireworks. Yeah, well, <laughs> play every game on a Friday or, or a Saturday night and they'll, they'll be just fine. Uh, yeah. Cool. Okay, uh, this is from Craig Putnam from Broadview Heights. I'm surprised there's so much talk about moving uh, Jose Ramirez to second base. Mike Freeman appears to be to me as a good replacement for Jason Kipnis at second, especially at the salary he would demand. What do you think? Well, uh, your point about the salary is 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 true. Yeah, he would definitely be a considerable savings over Kipnis. But I don't see Freeman as a full-time second baseman, a full-time major league infielder. I, I see him more as a as sort of a fill-in guy and a, a utility guy. And he excelled at that role. And I think Francona loves him in that role because of the way he prepares and he plays every day. He said on more than one occasion that, that Freeman goes about his business and puts in the work to make himself ready to be available at any time just like he's a starter, but, you know, he's valuable in that he's he's sitting there waiting for you in case you need him. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Joe. I think, uh, you know, sometimes managers can manage a player into a good season, if, and that's by the way he uses them. Uh, we've, saw, we've seen that with Jordan Luplo. You know, he, he only faced lefties, and he had a great year. What now? If he plays, if he faces righties and lefties, is he going to do the same thing? I I don't know. I don't think he's really gotten a shot at that. Maybe he will next year. But right now, he's he's coming off a very good uh, 2019 season. I think the same goes for probably Freeman. You know, he uh, you know Francona has used them just right to my in my opinion. Uh, is he an everyday player? I don't know, but. To this point in his big league career, you'd have to say no, and uh, and I think uh, he he's found a niche. You know, he's he found a way to be ready to sit for ten days and still come off the bench and and play good defense and swing the bat well. And there's a value to that. And uh, would he be the same kind of would he would he bring the same kind of value to the team if if he's playing every day? I, I you know it's something we don't know, but uh, you know you know I, I think. He, if you ask Mike Freeman, would he would he take a repeat of this this season in 2020? I think he'd be, he'd raise his hand and say yes. Right. Uh, the only caveat to to that would be uh, right now out in the Arizona Fall League, uh, Ernie Clement is uh, playing for the uh, the Solar Sox, the Mesa Solar Sox, and he's having a pretty decent uh, uh, fall league. Uh, this is a kid who was on the the big league roster. Uh, in camp uh, in spring training last year. And from all accounts, from what I'm hearing, uh, Terry Francona like really, really likes Ernie Clement, thinks he's uh, got a lot of potential and sees him as sort of a John McDonald clone. 
uh, which is, you know, really good with the glove, you know, a- average to adequate with, with the bat if, if given a chance. So uh, Ernie Clement might be a guy who comes in and takes that utility role at some point uh, if, if they do want to use Freeman, you know, more and more at second base. Yeah, you know, that, that's, a good, that's a good point. And uh, uh, the thing Freeman that always impressed me about Freeman is the way he swung the bat. He, you know, he, what, he hit 275, 276. He hit some home runs, you know. He and he you know, hit against lefties too. Yeah, he left handed bat and he hit against lefties. And he was able to sit and 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 still come off the the bench and and hit. And that's a tough job to do. So, you know, he's a valuable guy one way or the other. And and he did one thing really well that, of course, we know Terry Francona likes is he's he's probably the best bunter on the team. Yeah, right. And you've got to be that guy if you're going to fill that role. That's one of the requirements. One more. This is from uh, Larry in uh, Parksburg, West Virginia. I often hear the expression he called a good game when describing a catcher's performance. If most of the pitches are called from the dugout, what does that expression refer to? Well, you know, I, th- I, I think that's a misconception because, you know, in talking to most managers that I've covered, the catcher calls the majority of the game. He's calling the pitches. I mean, he'll, you know, he'll, you, see, you see catchers look over into the dugout, uh, you know, I think if, there's a, if they're trying to, uh, you know, if they've got a, a, a – if they're thrown over to first base, if there's, you know, are they going to, you know, cut the throw off if there's a guy in third or second base and a guy might, you know, if, are they going to cut the throw or are they going to let the throw go through to home plate to try to get the runner, that kind of thing. But uh, from, from my experience – you know, catchers, you know, call the majority of the pitches. Right. Uh, and I think Tito has the utmost faith and, and you know, just sort of lets Roberto Perez handle the, the pitching staff. I, I do know that um, there are different sequences that will get called from the dugout sometimes. Uh, you know, like the, a lot of the catchers have those wristbands that have, uh, have pitches on them and, and different sequences for different at-bats and different uh, batters at different points in the game. And those sequences might be called, but you have a lot of freedom and flexibility as a catcher uh, to know, hey, if this guy's you know set up for uh, a fastball here or a changeup here, you know I, I can put that down. And of course, the ultimately the pitcher's the one who shakes the the catcher off one way or another. Uh, but you got to also look beyond, uh, you know, just calling the game as a catcher. You're looking at things like pitch framing, which is something that uh, Roberto Perez is one of the best in the game at. Uh, he's able to, to get a strike here or there just on the way he moves the glove uh, within the strike zone uh, and, and basically fools umpires in that way. Uh, you know, and that's not even getting into you know, blocking and throwing and all the other aspects of the game that, that are involved in catching. Uh, it, it's really just what Tito says about uh, Perez and, and to a degree Kevin Ploiecki this year as well was that their biggest concern wasn't themselves at the plate or any of the other stats or anything like that. It was getting these pitchers through the you know through five innings, through seven innings, or through the the one inning for a reliever to get them through the uh, to to work them that way. And 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 really since uh, Terry Francona has been here in Cleveland, he's had some catchers who have really been able to to do that. Uh, really very well, and Roberto Perez is certainly one of them. Yeah, that, that, that definitely. I, yeah, I agree with you completely. That's, that's a good way to put it. 
All right. Well, uh, you know, thank you uh, to, to all the readers who submit questions uh, through Hey Hoinsey, uh and online. You can find on Twitter uh, to, to keep sending those in and we'll answer as many as we can uh, on, on each week's podcast throughout the off season. Um, let's, uh, let's get back into a few things here. Uh, let's, this past week, uh, former Indians pitcher CC Sabathia announced officially on Twitter, his retirement. Uh, you had him basically do a farewell tour this past season. He was in Cleveland, you know, went home and, and visited where he lived when he was in Cleveland and his house in Westlake. And, you know, had a couple of feel-good moments here with that. Uh, made his last start in Cleveland and then came back for the All-Star game. Uh, had a couple of special moments in the All-Star game, throwing out a ceremonial first pitch to Sandy Alomar. And, uh, and then he made a, a mound visit in the ninth inning to, to talk to Aroldis Chapman uh, before the, you know, he came in and, and saved the game. Uh, really, for CC Sabathia, uh, in – in a lot of people's minds, a Hall of Fame career. I mean, that's still yet to be to be decided. But you know, what did you take away from CC's uh, you know final sort of spin around the block here, and and now that he's announced he's officially done after 19 seasons in the big leagues? Yeah, I mean, uh, this guy. You know, you, when when CC first uh, you know came up with the Indians, uh, he you know. <laughs> He was he was so big, you know, and he never. I mean, you saw him lose some weight, some, but he he always stayed around three hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you, there's no way this guy is going to last being this big, you know. And and but he he was kind of a you know like a, a freak of nature almost. He was. Uh, I remember uh, the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, I, I would talk to him and and I would say, isn't this doesn't this guy got to get get in shape and better shape. He goes, you're, you're talking, and he was told me, you're talking about a different kind of athlete. You're talking about a guy that's is almost like as big as a, as a, as a, as an offensive lineman in the NFL. And, and you've got to treat him that way. So, you know, he, you know, whatever that, you know, he, CC didn't really run in the outfield that much. They, they had him on his own program and uh, you know, and he, he physically, he, he, he held up for a long, long time. You know, he obviously had some knee problems and it was tough to see him, you know, leave in that, that last, uh, he came in against, uh, against Houston and kind of hurt his uh, shoulder and he was left, he left with the Yankees in the, in the uh, ALCS. That was his last appearance, you know, and unfortunately it ended in injury, but you know, I, he went out the right way. You know, you go out, on your shield or with it, you know, so he, he, uh, he, uh, you know, I think he, he, he pitched till he couldn't pitch anymore. Well, right? You can't, you can't resist those game of Thrones references. Can you? That's, that's just, that's crazy. Man. That's what, that's what Spartan Spartans mothers told their sons when they went into battle. Come on, come back on your shield or with it. That's great. No, I, I, the, it was really sort of, I, to me, that was exactly the way that, CC had to go out because he would, he had already started sort of laying the groundwork for, uh, oh, well, maybe I'll come back and, and pitch in, you know, in relief or, or just uh, for part of the season next year or something like that. This, this pretty much put an end to yeah. all that yeah. talk was uh, this like the game tells you when it's time to go and it, and it told him. So, yeah, I'm yeah. sure his, his family's happy and, you know, now he gets to play dad and, uh, you know, I think CC's t- taking care of his money and, uh, Hopefully, you know, I, I'm sure we haven't heard the last of him. Yet. That's I'm good. I'm sure he'll be 
you know, he's always, you know, he's always a big proponent of, uh, you know, uh, I think the, the boys and girls club in Cleveland mm-hmm. and wherever he went. And, uh, just a good, a good dude, a good guy, good guy all the way around. All right. Well, uh, another another guy who's got plenty of games left uh, ahead of him, uh, obviously, Francisco Lindor. You wrote about, uh, you know, Lindor's desire to to play in all 162 games in a in a season, and something he, you know, he couldn't do this year because of an an injury at the start. But he was in there pretty much every game after he came back in in mid April. And you know, if if Francisco Lindor uh, wants to play in every game. I don't think Terry Francona has, you know, is really going to stand in his way to do so. But, but really, it, would it be better if Lindor took a break every now and then next year just to to sort of save him and see if that that keeps him fresher down the down the stretch? You know, I think as Lindor gets older, he's going to realize that, you know, he, I don't know. Did Cal, I mean? No one, not everyone can be Cal Ripken. You can't play every day for 10 or 15 or 20 years. I mean, and, you know, you want him in the lineup as much as possible. But obviously he was, he was tired in, in September. He, you know, he, his swing got long. You couldn't really tell defensively, I don't think. He, I thought he had a great, probably his steadiest defensive year. But offensively, you know, the wear and tear was there. And I thought, I mean, at that point in the season, one day isn't going to make a, make a whole lot of difference, one day off. But I think, uh, you know, he's got to be more open to, uh, you know, taking a rest now and then. And, uh, and you know, I thought what Francona said, they didn't have a lot of 10 nothing games. You couldn't get them out of there, you know, in the fifth or sixth inning, six innings a lot of times. But uh, I think, uh, you know, I know Francona wanted to get him out of there and to give him some days off. He would talk himself back in the lineup, and you and you got you know you got to like that. I'm I'm you know, oh yeah. How often do we hear about players who, who don't want to play? You know, we or, or we're or the people on the outside looking in say, you know, this guy, some why, why doesn't why is why doesn't this guy want to play? You know, he's not really hurt, but you know you know what you know, but with Lindor it's the other way around. You know and you can't – it's hard to uh, – it's hard to, not to, uh, you know, pull for a guy like that. But I think as he gets older, he's going to realize that two, missing two or three or four or five or six games during a, uh, during a season isn't, gonna, isn't that big a – isn't that big a uh, – that's not going to hurt his stats, not going to hurt his reputation, especially if you compare it with a, a, an off day. You know, if you right. came with Sunday and you got an off day Monday, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, missing a, a getaway game in Detroit on a on a Wednesday when you have an off day Thursday, you know, isn't gonna and nobody's even gonna think twice about that. But you know, you get two days off, and and we've seen when friends we saw in 2018 when Lindor did take a day off, he came back and he hit the ball. It, it happened more than once. Uh, you know, with fresh legs, he came back and and had you know two three hits in a game. So uh, I I don't know. I, I just think they need to work something out next year where Frankie gets a little more, a little more rest than what he did this year, because uh, I think 162 games is, is a little unrealistic. Uh, and you, and you look at his at bats, Joe, I mean, he's had the last three or four years. He's, he's right. I mean, he's had, he didn't get it this year, but he was awfully close, like just 600 plus at bats every right. year. I right. think he had 598 this year, something like that. And that's a lot of at bats. So I think, you know, I think there's a there's a happy medium there, and and 
they've got to find that. All right. Last thing I wanted to, to discuss this week, uh, there was a, uh, a story out of the Arizona Fall League. Um, I believe it was Jason Hayward's uh, brother. He, he's a, a San Francisco Giants minor leaguer, and he uh, got rung up. Well, before, before we get into that, uh, the Arizona Fall League this year is testing the automated ball strike system, which uh, premiered in the, the Atlantic League after the All-Star break. Uh, which is basically robot umpires, everybody's calling it. Uh, it, it uses the track man and uses the, uh, the automated strike zone that we see on all the, the game day apps and whatnot. Uh, and the umpire wears an earpiece, and when the pitch comes into the strike zone, if the ball hits the strike zone, uh, the umpire is told it's ball or a strike, and, and that's what he calls in, from hearing what he hears in his earpiece. Uh, Hayward's... Uh, um, Brother was at the plate and got rung up on a strike three. Uh, didn't agree with the call, turned around, and uh, as he was walking to the dugout, the umpire tossed him out of the game. So he becomes uh, the first notable. I, I'm not sure if maybe the Atlantic League might have had one, but um, it was he becomes a one of the first players ejected from arguing balls and strikes with a robot umpire. Uh, Paul, what's your take on it, and what's your what do you think? The game is moving towards this. We're we're taking the human element out of the uh, out of umpiring in, in that regard. But uh, this this was a this was a pitch. I, I guess that it was a curveball uh, that was inside, and and it it nicked the the bottom corner of the strike zone and and got called strike three. Yeah, I, Joe, I you know. Um, I think we had this discussion earlier. I remember talking to somebody earlier, and I said, there is no way that they're, they're ever going to do this in the big leagues. They are not going to have robot umpires uh, calling balls and strikes in, in the big leagues. And then, you know, I just the other day, I was listening to a podcast by Mark Shapiro, uh, you, you know, former uh, Cleveland GM, and now he's running the show in Toronto. He's on the competition committee, and he said, he he's, he thinks this is coming. That there, he, he he doesn't see how baseball can avoid not having, uh, you know, robotic umpires or you know umpires calling balls and strikes. So I I guess I'm behind behind the times. So, but I how do you I mean, I you know I'm a I'm a huge proponent of instant replay. I've always been, um, and I guess. I guess this is the next step. If you can have the technology to get something right, you might as well do it. But are they really, there's going to, what are they going to do? Is it going to be like some robot standing behind home plate? Or is it going to be, the, the, you know, you're going to have your umpires behind home plate and he's just going to, you know, relay the call balls and strike. Right. And I, you're, you're always going to need a physical human umpire there at the plate for, game management purposes and to keep things moving and, and, and all that kind of stuff you, that that's not going to go away. But as, as far as the strike zone, if they can develop the technology enough, and right now I don't even think the technology is developed that much. It's, it's really good. But if you can continue to develop the technology to account for all of the different quirks and, and, and things, you know, I, I can't see it not coming. It's just, it might not be in the next two or three years, but it, it could be here sooner than later just because 
the technology is always advancing. Uh, the, the thing I heard from a lot of different guys, I, you know, I, I talked to Kevin Plowecki, uh, I talked to, uh, you know, Jake Bowers for, for what that's worth. But, uh, um, the one thing that the, the hitters are concerned about are like 12, six curveballs uh, that, you know, catch the front part of the plate and then could actually bounce in the dirt or behind the plate or, or on the plate, but still get called a strike. And those are not strikes. It, it's, it's, it's what's there, you know, in front of your eyes, you, you sort of have to go with, you know, what's real. And yeah, the, did that pitch cross the strike zone? Yes. But is it really a strike? It's never called that way, and it shouldn't be. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many. You know, what what do they say? Uh, uh, Francona always says uh, unintended consequences. You know, <laughs> we, what what are going to be <clears throat> the unseen little blurbs that come into this? And you know, like the, the like you know the the slide into second base. You know that we've seen that if you if you come off for a second and the, the, you're out. You know, even if you. Uh, you slide directly into second base to steal a second base. You come, you bounce back up off it for a second, and the second baseman keeps his glove on you. You're out, and you know no one. You even though you beat the throw by a mile, so mm-hmm. you know that that's an unintended consequence at, at just at second base. Imagine with all the action there is at home plate, how much uh, how much refinement will be necessary for that to to come to fruition. So it. it <laughs> Joe, I, I don't know, man. You can't, we don't see any arguments anymore no. between managers and, or very few between managers and, and home plate umpires. So what, 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 what we won't, there won't be anything. What do you do with a, a, a robotic umpire? What do you do there? Yeah, what did, did Tito get tossed this year? For I think he got tossed one game this year. Something. I don't think he did. I, didn't I, know. I, don't, or, I don't, he, he may have. No, I think he got. I think he taught maybe one of the New York games. Well, maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, you're right. Those arguments aren't about what they used to be about. Like, uh, you know, well, you saw, you saw Aaron Boone. Wait a minute. Wait, Aaron Boone got tossed because, uh, some, some rookie umpire had a terrible strike zone and Aaron Boone got, you know, went out there and and cussed him out. Uh, uh, but, but seriously, you don't see much of that anymore at all. Unless you're David Bell and you get ejected. Oh, my goodness. What do you got tossed a dozen times this year? Something ridiculous. Like that? To it. Oh, but I don't know what, what is he arguing about. So I don't. Know. I don't know. His team also got in six fights, but you know. Yeah. Year, but but then they traded away Puig, and I don't think they got in one after that. So, uh, no, it it just brings up an interesting sort of perspective on the game. It's like, yeah, I mean, uh, and and the tech, just know that the technology is there, that it's coming. And that they can they continue to refine it and make it better. It, it's not just a, a simple you know put up a, a shaded box for every guy. It's there's a lot more that goes into it, and and it's it's coming. <laughs> Tito said uh, more than one occasion. He said, "Boy, I'm glad I'm on the uh, the the backside of my career, the downward the you know the backside arch of my career, so that uh, you know maybe he can get away from all the these uh, these changes that are coming uh, eventually here." Uh, you know, he doesn't want to be around for, for some of it. Yeah, that's it's 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 something. You know, I mean, people have people have uh, said there should. You know, I you read fans' comments and they they you know some want it, some don't want it. But the people who want this, you know, when it comes, 
buckle up and be ready because I, you know, I, I, I thought there was no, no way it would happen. But when you hear Shapiro who's on the MLB competition committee talking, sounded like it can't, you know, it's, it's kind of almost inevitable. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just don't, and now it's a question of when now, you know, not maybe we're not when it gets here. It's just a question of time now. You're right. And it's, uh, you know, it, Guys, I, I can tell you, a guy like Trevor Bauer probably wants to see uh, something like that coming it, 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 to to prove him right. You know, hey, that pitch was in the strike zone. Come on, it's... yeah, definitely. I mean, all pitches. Yeah, Hoy, Hoinsey doesn't take the bait. Oh, come on, <laughs> trying to bait you here and you don't take it. Oh, yeah, but you know, Trevor's still going to be complaining about uh, hitters thr- swing hitting a pitch that you know, that he put in the perfect spot. You know, it's he still sweet. hasn't thrown a bad pitch. <laughs> That's true. All right, Paul. Uh, All right. uh, The World Series continues with uh, game two tonight. And uh, we will be back with you uh, next week to follow up uh, as as more develops. As the the closer we get to the end of this World Series, the closer we get to all the fun starting with uh, off-season moves, free agency, awards, and, and, and all sorts of fun stuff like that. So, yeah, game two tonight, Verlander versus Strasburg. It doesn't get much better than that. I mean, unless it's Cole versus Scherzer in game one. Oh, did they have five Cy Youngs in the first two games uh, between some of these guys? Something, something ridiculous. It's, Not bad, Ed. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good if you're uh, pretty good time to be a baseball fan uh, right yep. now. All right, Paul, we'll talk to you again next week on the Cleveland Baseball Talk Podcast. Thanks, Joe.